0: Romumu.org For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So here we stand between the saters, And I wonder, as I've been wondering these past few weeks, what does freedom mean anyway? And I especially wondered it last night when my family had a Seder. And before the Seder, I got into... The the issues I get into every year with the next generation. Hurry up, get dressed, why aren't you helping me? And I wonder, like, am I stuck in the same old patterns? Like, where is freedom? Where is freedom? So today, as we stand between the two satyrs, I want to offer a few ideas about freedom practices. I'm kind of done with abstract thinking and ideas about freedom, because they're not getting me very far. And I want to know, what can we do? What can we implement in daily life? So if you look at your page, actually, let me back up one minute. We're going to read Exodus 12 today. And Exodus 12 is extraordinary, because it lists the command for Passover before the Passover holiday actually happens. So the Israelites have their first Passover in Egypt, and they're commanded to tell the story before the story has happened, before they've actually left Egypt. What kind of strangeness is this? So to me, what I think is that the fact that they were able to tell the story before the story happened allowed the story to happen. What do I mean? Fake it till you make it. Act like you're free even when you're still in Egypt. Every day, pick some kind of practice that you don't totally believe in, but do it. Go up to that person that you feel like, mm, I don't, they don't like you, you're a little insecure with them. Just talk to them. Just little, simple things that are different than what you've done for the last however many decades you've been alive. Okay, that's number one. Number two, so strange they make a sacrifice they sacrifice a lamb right that's an essential piece of the passover celebration and what the what the rabbis tell us in midrash in the ancient commentary is that the lamb was actually a god of the egyptians so they are to slay a god of the egyptians right they are to slay the power of the of of the people who had power over them. So I was thinking, what does this mean for us specifically? I imagine that every one of you sometimes wrestles with negative voices. Like, where did these negative voices come from? And in case they came from the place you grew up, right? In case they came from that sort of remnants of oppression, then those are the voices to challenge, right? Those are the voices to slay. As it says, in the middle of our Haggadah and in the Mishnah, the second century compendium of um, halachic practices, of legal practices, every single person is supposed to see themselves as if they personally came out of Egypt. Now, that's a radical statement. And again, what does it mean? So if you look below number text number two, I'm just going to be part of it, a wonderful Hasidic rabbi who I never heard of until last week who lived in Poland in the 19th and 20th century tells us. So I'm just going to read a few lines. So what does it mean to come out, to see yourself as if you're, to see yourself, I'm sorry, to see your very self It's atzmo, himself. It's atzma, herself, as if they've come out of Egypt. So what, what this rabbi is saying is that atzmo, atzma means essence. This is an allusion, I'm now three lines down, to the inner divine spark found in each of us. A person must strengthen this holy spark no matter how low a state he reaches. So skip, skip, skip. Turn the page. And it says, each Jew must say, or in the, in the words of the Haggadah, each Adam, each human being must say that in every generation, generation, a person must strengthen the inner spark, which is still in him. This spark is capable of blossoming and becoming revitalized in the end. So if your own inner spark has become downtrodden, if your own inner spark is a bud, is like a bud that hasn't opened, hasn't blossomed, think about what it would take for that inner spark to become a full-fledged fire. Right. So to go back to those inner voices, right? silence those inner voices. Challenge them every day of your life. That could be your freedom practice. OK, one more. I read recently an essay by a basketball player from a team called Jazz. His name is Kyle Korver. This is going to be my last text. It's not on your page. He wrote an essay called Privilege that really reached me in part for its absence of jargon, its absence of rhetoric, and because of the way he put himself on the line. So he is a white, basketball player and a team of African Americans and he's dealing with how racism affects them and he writes the fact that black Americans are more than five times as likely to be incarcerated as white Americans is wrong the fact that black Americans are more than twice as likely to live in poverty as white Americans is wrong the fact that black unemployment rates nationally are double that of overall unemployment rates is wrong. The fact that inequality is built so deeply into so many of our trusted institutions is wrong. And I believe it's the responsibility of anyone on the privileged end of those inequalities to help make things right. He says it simple. He names what he sees. He lets it affect his heart and his life. Each day, each of us sees suffering. So I want to call us out, not only for the suffering inside of of us, for the impression inside of us, but for the suffering we witness every day. And ask us, as a practice, to name it, to articulate it. It could be to a partner, it could be to a friend, It could be in an essay. The next freedom practice is how you address it. But I think starting by telling that story is crucial. So I invite you to implement these freedom practices into your life. Fake it until you make it. right? You may not believe it, but you can do it from the beginning. Silence those voices that sort of limit or dull the light of your own spark. And finally, witness, name, tell the story of the suffering that you see every day.